Welcome to day two of the Colby Cast Convention, episode 110. Today, Bonnie Jordan and I are joined by Aaron and Matt Ingold, Catholic mindset coaches and founders of Metanoia Catholic. Aaron and Matt offer great advice on how we can structure our thinking and lives to set ourselves up for success, not only in homeschooling, but in all aspects of our lives as Catholics. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. And I'm Jordan. As a product of homeschooling, I'm proud to teach Greek and Latin for Colby online and serve as the alumni and public relations director. Cast episodes are geared toward families who've been at this homeschooling gig for anywhere between just starting out and a good long while. But lately we've been getting requests from people for episodes to share with their friends, families, and curious onlookers about homeschooling, the reasons for it, and the decision to go for it. For some families, a decision to homeschool is a no-brainer or one that the spouses have made as part of their discernment to marriage. For others, the road to homeschooling is unexpected and perhaps fraught with trepidation and fear. Our guests today have some decision-making tools and other resources that parents can apply to this situation and others. Matt and Erin Ingold of Metanoia Catholic and hosts of the Catholic Coaching Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Colby Cast. Thanks, Bonnie. Hi. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're delighted. I'm so glad mm-hmm. to have you here. Thank you. At various times on the Colby Cast, Jordan, Stephen, and I have each related our homeschooling experiences and the way those have been and are part of our lives. Our focus today is on the steps leading up to this decision to homeschool and just after it. I've become a subscriber to the Catholic Coaching Podcast since hearing about it from a few trusted sources, and I've gotten a lot out of what Matt and Aaron have to offer. I'm so delighted that they are here today to lend their expertise and guidance to this conversation. Matt and Aaron, for our listeners not yet familiar with you, would you tell us about yourselves and your business and podcast and a little about how those came to be? Uh, yeah, um, Matt, you go. Sure. I mean, like for us, we, we both of us grew up in Catholic families. I was a, grew up in a convert home. And, um, and, uh, so the faith was always a part of our life. We worked in ministry for a time. Uh, it took us a while to get pregnant after we got married. And so we really were espoused to our church and we saw that as our place to really have, you know, extraordinary motherhood and extraordinary fatherhood. And the Lord finally blessed us with our daughter, Abel, who's napping and we're praying that she stays napping during this podcast right now. And, um, and it just came to around that time in our lives, we realized that we were kind of stuck. And we went down to visit my parents down in Ave Maria, Florida, um, met up with an old classmate of Aaron's actually from Franciscan University. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were actually into life coaching. Now, we always kind of snubbed our nose at it. I personally did. It's just like, yeah, okay, like. Too. <laughs> what, what really, what are you going to tell me about my life? Well, it turns out I had a lot to learn. And when we ended up getting involved with this coaching program, which was a secular program, uh, we couldn't deny a lot of the fruits that were coming forth from it. Really natural acquired virtue type fruits. We were starting to really take custody of our minds in a much better way, uh, be better stewards of our God-given faculties of our intellect and our will. Uh, we started to grow in our ability to communicate with one another, some really practical life skills that um, 
we took for granted that we were life was just going to hand to us. And no, these are real yeah. skills that somebody has to teach us. And as we were going through this, experiencing these undeniable fruits, we wanted to share this with a lot of people that we had ministered to in the past, thinking, man, if we had these tools when we were doing young adult ministry or youth ministry, it, it just would have been such great things to be able to provide for people. We started going down that way and having nothing but the secular resource to share with people. And some of our friends kind of put their hands up and said, whoa, some of the stuff isn't really that kosher. It doesn't really align up with our faith. And I said, we were like, yeah, we know you're right, but just, just kind of put that to the side, you know, discern and you just, can discern, just, right? just approach these things with discernment. <laughs> and it, we saw how problematic that was. And uh, Aaron at that point said, you know what, if this has been so fruitful in our lives, then it has to be in our church already. And Aaron, you really went on a research project, kind of mm-hmm. looking back into the lives of the saints and the doctors of the church. I was going through a program at Divine Mercy University, get a spiritual direction certification, just starting that. Mm-hmm. And so we're really digging into these resources, into the catechism. And lo and behold, some of the great things that we had been so transformative, we already found them there in our church. We just wanted to dust them off and represent them. And not finding any other coaching program that was authentically and just unapologetically Catholic, Mm -hmm. and also realizing that there is no way to promise somebody, guarantee somebody personal development by removing and remove Christ at the same time, the actual change agent of the human person. There's no way to do that. We said, you know what, the only way for us to be able to show up in integrity and really bring this as a resource to the church is to put Christ, the cornerstone, back where he belongs in this paradigm of Mm self-development or personal development which we really know is growing the life of virtue and in the life of grace and in a life of increasing merit for not just you, but for the universal church as well. And so that was like really what gave birth to, to Metanoia Catholic was the need to really bring a lot of this. And it's, it's a billion dollar industry right now. And there's a lot of people, not, not that, ours, but. Not, not, yeah, <laughs> no, but there's a lot of people that frankly are, are, are uh, there's, it's a very subtle new age, subtle humanistic philosophy. That's yeah. kind of baked into these programs that leads people down a path of bootstrapping and ungodly self-reliance and, even despair. and out of integrity yeah. and in and, and despair as well. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, you know what, there's a better way of doing this. And we want to be, uh, we want to start that movement. Yeah. And I felt just such um, conviction at the beginning of all of this that um, I was receiving training and how to be a mindset coach. Um, and I was also making connections with the doctors of our, of our faith, like the doctors of the church, just tradi- the traditional Catholic faith. And I was making these connections and I was having other coaches come to me and say, I love my faith. How do I present this? How do I kind of navigate these somewhat seemingly new age waters and, and like not lead my clients astray. Mm -hmm. And I just kept um, thinking that the Lord was just saying, I have given this to you so that you can impart it to others. And that's really where, where the podcast started was Mm -hmm. like, just give what you've been receiving and, and be along for the ride. You don't need to know it all right away. Just be along for the ride with the, with your listeners. And at the beginning, I think it was maybe like two listeners or our moms <laughs> at that point. I don't even think our dads really tapped into it. Yeah. It was just our moms, our biggest fans. Um, but it, yeah, it's grown since then. So yeah, we are delighted to be here and to help out with anything with, you know, just practical life skills. That's a one thing that we wanted to do. Take these abstract kind of lofty ideas, which are true. We believe are true and our, our faith, but also make them practical. How do we make it? How do we take something that is taught 
and is so high above us. How do we make it practical? That's like one of our favorite things to do. And fun. And fun. <laughs> and fun. That's the sanguine. She yeah. wants to make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about Catholic mindset coaching, what it is, and you've already distinguished it from secular coaching a bit, but would you mind telling us a bit more along those lines? Mm. I'll start with mindset coaching. Okay. The type um, that I've been taught in and we've kind of taken into our own training. So we train other Catholic mindset coaches as well. So we've taken that into our own training, um, but we've added to it. We've brought in the soul piece mm-hmm. that has left been left out, but um, it is, it, it's grounded in um, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. So it is called cognitive behavioral coaching. So we are not therapists. We do not claim to be therapists. We don't work with people who are mentally ill. We work with somebody who is what we would call above baseline functioning in normal, you know, society, but also wants to improve, wants to grow in virtue, has a particular goal. So that's kind of where we come in. Um, we do work alongside some other counselors where they will pass people off to, you know, mm-hmm. pass their people off to us because they're like, they're good. They're above where we've got them to this point and they just want to go after this goal or achieve this goal. So cognitive behavioral coaching is in the simplest terms, our premise is your thoughts lead to your emotions, which lead to your actions. And lo and behold, this also is aligned with St. Thomas Aquinas's philosophy of psychology. Mm-hmm. What we add to it, what makes it Catholic is this soul piece, is our intellect and our will. Matt mentioned it before. These are our spiritual powers of the soul. This is in our our catechism. We have been endowed with an intellect and a will, this ability to think about our thinking, this ability to judge what is true and what is good this ability to reason through things and make conclusions and And choose the greatest good. So what we've added to it is this next tier element. Okay. Like, so we have the cognitive behavioral coaching more on the human material level. And then the immaterial level, we teach people how to think about their thinking and to choose the good their greatest good. Yeah. And that's kind of the big distinguishing point. So Mm -hmm. I I think that even in the sector world, there's this realization, okay, like you think, and it inclines you towards an emotion and then emotion inclines you to to some sort of an action. And so therefore you clean up your thinking. There's the the phrase, clean up your thinking, and you're going to get the results that you want in your life. I remember even before we went Mendenoya Catholic, I really tried to keep it a sec, or like what we're putting together, a secular program. So my thought was just like, I just, I don't want to limit my market. Frankly, that's what it was. I fought it. Well, I and she did. <laughs> I was like, no and way. And so I, I put together a program for veterans, and because I'm a veteran myself, and 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 teaching them these mindset coaching skills. And so it's like, okay, I taught them how to be able to uh, take thoughts captive, to be able to really think about what they're thinking about, and then bring them to a place where they have this power, they have this freedom to choose what they were going to think. Then I got to this question: Okay, what should I choose? What should I choose to think? And that was a question about the good. And I couldn't arbitrate the, the only, I, I, I didn't have any sort of touchstone. If I didn't have Christ, I didn't have any sort of touchstone to be able to answer that question without it being relativistic or arbitrary or self-referencing, which is where you see the big deviation between Catholic mindset coaching and secular mindset coaching. 
we coach in the context that there has been a good that has been revealed to us that is not something that is self-determined, but something that is discovered through grace and through participating in the sacramental life of the church and, and, and taking in what has been revealed through divine revelation and through the traditions of the church and the teachings of the church. And so we have this standard to which we can hold up certain thoughts and say this one is good or bad, or we can say things are sinful or or not sinful, or vicious, or virtuous, or true, or, or, not, true, true. or yeah. not true, where if, if you go, if you, if you, uh, it, and what we found is even going through other secular uh, uh, certifications, mm -hmm. they really shy away from anything that that says right, wrong, good, bad, uh, virtuous, they, they move away from that language, and they couch it with like, ah, it's just not leading to team, team success. Okay, well, what's team success? Something yeah. that's very self-deterministic. So that is a huge piece. And then the other piece is we realize that the mind is a battlefield. There's a spiritual battlefield that's raging. Mm -hmm. And when you don't acknowledge this, it's kind of like walking out into a battlefield. Well, meanwhile, there's ambushes that are being set out all over the place and you're not showing up with the right tools. And so this is another thing, the fact that there's a spiritual warfare and Christ in the name of Jesus has given us tools with the sacramental life of the church and many other things mm -hmm. to, to really fight and fight well and really share in Christ's victory. So I'm sure you've encountered skeptics along the way. How, how do you respond to those who are skeptical to the to need for or usefulness of coaching, especially in this type of coaching? Okay. I'm like, I, I, I actually, have we run into skeptics along the way? I mean, I think I was the biggest skeptic to, begin with <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to, to this. And, and I think that was how the Lord worked with us. Cause we both were kind of skeptical of this. Mm -hmm. And then when we bought into it, we had already done all of the research or not all of it, obviously there's like so much more to learn, but like we've done our own. And so like any objections that we came up where it's like, oh yeah, no, no. I've already like, I've already researched that. If, if I could answer the question to the coaching piece too, is like, is coaching right for me? Is that, is that even, kind of an yes, element of this? I think also like that resistance, like, why would I need a coach? Why, why don't I just pray about it? That, that line, like mm. just pray about it. And why would I want to have a coach help me through something like that? I can kind of only speak like subjectively from like from my own experience. And I'm like, I personally never experienced so much quick growth if I did not have some type of mentor or um, an ideal that I was trying to get to. And, and I mean, this is why we need people. We need formators. We need mentors. We need good Catholic teachers, mentors, yeah, formators, there's a virtue called good counsel for a yes, um, to help us reach those, you know, go to those places. And that's really what the coach comes in. I, I mean, I'm of, I'm of the thought that like everyone would benefit from mm -hmm. a coach, but of course it's always your choice, sure. right? So yeah. Yeah. a good Catholic coach, we'll say yes. <laughs> everyone could benefit from that. I guess it's that spirit of docility that the willingness to enter into that and that's yes. probably outside i don't know maybe but maybe it factors in a little bit to mm. it's to, a bit uh, of focusing a... on on making a decision like whether to homeschool or not it would take some docility to to enter into this kind of discernment process i think yeah it's, yes. a, it's a bit of a self-awareness piece too and and usually where we help people to identify perhaps some areas where they could benefit from coaching or where they feel stuck mm -hmm. they're kind of in the same kind of repetitive cycle um, and they, they don't feel very empowered to move forward from it. Uh, 
perhaps are unaware of a bias, perhaps are unaware of just like, uh, just even what's going on in their, their interior life. There's something well, that's just very, not aware of that. there's yes. something that's just mm -hmm. very cathartic about having somebody that's skilled in the ability to kind of mirror back to you mm -hmm. uh, what's going on so that you can just grow in some understanding yourself. We call them like thought like detectives. a really good sounding board. We, yeah. we train our coaches to be thought detectives to kind of like go in like what is true and what is good here and ask, you know, appropriate questions to just reveal to the person to not tell just to reveal to them, let me like, and then also give them their choice, their free choice that right. they already have, but remind them that they have this mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, so what do we choose from this point? So it, that's always helpful. I mean, personally, I think that would be helpful to anyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. I am with you there. <laughs> I like to uh, throw out the devil's advocate question sometimes. For those nice. Who are like, nice. I love it. Why do I? Yeah. So thinking about these concepts and applying them to how we can grow in virtue and holiness as Catholic parents or students or families, whoever's listening, who are homeschooling and contemplating, how, how can we relate these concepts to each other? And, and when we're contemplating a decision such as whether to homeschool or not, how does that play into what it will mean for our pursuit of holiness and cultivation of virtue? I'll take this one. Go for it. Um, I, I think the goal is we always want to show up clean, okay? And when I say with a clean mind, it means I, I really know the reasons and I am happy with the reasons for why I'm doing whatever I'm doing. Um, every action that we have and the way that we show up is, is always born from some sort of a thought. And so the first thing is making sure, uh, the first gift I would say in, in a homeschooling situation is you as the parent, if you're applying these skills to yourself, you're starting to get and becoming a student of your own interior life and then you're receiving the benefits from it you're naturally going to start to get curious about how what's going on in somebody else's interior life mm -hmm. and then being able to guide them in ways that the Lord has already guided you to overcome certain vices or habitual mm -hmm. sins in your own life. And not just, and lest you fall into this, well, I'm just going to tell you what to do sort of situation, but no, when you're really capturing the transformation from an interior standpoint, you're much more aware of it. And I think you're much more sensitive, at least it's made me much more sensitive to um, how the Lord may work that transformation uh, through somebody else. And just rec recognizing that it's, it's the Lord that's doing the work. Uh, yeah, I may be the one, we've got a journal that kind of helps people to really mine their own thoughts in their interior mm -hmm. life. And we do it for the most part on a daily basis uh, because there's always thoughts that need to be taken captive. And the more we can become a student of what's going on in our own interior life, I think that equips us to help our kids mm -hmm. to get curious about their own thinking. Because quite frankly, education has been reduced down to broad strokes here, uh, more about memorizing and like just regurgitating facts and less about actually using the full capacity of our God-given uh, powers of our intellect and learning how to think about our thinking. Yes. Yeah, I would say practical tools would be journaling. I mean, I, I, and specifically ours, which you actually can get for free on our website. It's just the outline of it. But um, it is the way that we, that we've designed it is it takes you through the material part of your mind first and identifies like the problem, or in this case, the decision that you haven't made yet. And then it brings it through um, even a repentance, renouncing forgiveness section, and then the 
the climax of, of the daily journal is the metanoia process, which actually means to elevate one's mind or to change one's mind. That's the Greek word for that or conversion. Yeah. And it's really where we're asking the Lord for his interpretation. And it's, it's a prayer journal. So it turns out to be a prayer journal starts off mindset journal turns into a prayer journal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really practical way you could start. I think just thinking about your thinking and reflecting on it. Um, and we give some really basic tools, even at the back of the journal, if you um, get the hard copy, kind of like how to go through each one of the exercises, there's seven exercises in it. Um, we also have an academy specifically for um, people who, and one of the months that we had in the academy was how to make decisions. Um, one of my favorite parts of that month that we taught was we helped people with values, identify what you value, because that does play into what you decide ultimately what you like. And so we had different segments of the value worksheet where it was like family. What do you value about your family? What do you value about parenting or your kids? Um, not even what you value about, about them, but in this case, you could actually create some homeschooling questions. Like, what do I value about my child's education? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then we had another worksheet that we would take people through once they've created, once they actually went through the values worksheet, it, it helped them make a decision based off of that. Mm-hmm. But what was happening where we were, we were identifying some people were bringing up values in session in coaching sessions that were driven by fear mm-hmm. and, and, and to be able to just step back and discern that and say, okay, like, do you even like the fact that this is driven by fear or would you rather it be kind of a a value be driven by freedom or right love or charity or, or the desire to grow in holiness and grow in any of those areas. So, yeah. I think for many people identifying, they may have a sense to varying degrees of some of their values and that plays very strongly into whether they're they are contemplating and making a decision especially like a change in homeschooling all right it also goes for for doing it from the get-go from the beginning so um let's let's talk about how approaching this decision using your your process and your catholic mindset coaching principles can help us get get through this decision um, I know you guys recently had a, a YouTube video on decision making and probably drawn much from your course you're just mentioning. So mm-hmm. would you help us kind of zero in on this, 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 this homeschooling decision? Yeah, I think it's, it's, again, the goal here is to do it from a very clean place. And so before you even kind of start going through this criteria that we've got for making this decision, I, I always want to invite people to be just a student of really what's going on in their interior life. What's, what are the thoughts that are there? Because again, as soon as we have some sort of a, a lie or a false belief, for example, this is what Catholic parents do. They should, uh, they should make, they should homeschool their kids, or um, it's not right to send your kids to uh, someplace else to get, get their education. Um, or public schooling even is always bad when we take a particular situation, we make it a universal claim. It never leads us to really a place of freedom. It it puts all kinds of arbitrary restrictions on ourselves that, that are self-imposed and it actually violates our freedom. So we want people, when we say a clean place, we want people to make it when full knowledge of perhaps even where their biases are and bring those really to the Lord to kind of 
breathe his truth onto. So that's the one thing. And that real quick, that can be identified by just answering the question. Why do I want to do this? Yeah. I mean, and and that's just such a simple question, but like, why do I want to homeschool my kids? Sorry for Mm -hmm. interrupting. No, I think, I think that's fine. So, so that's like step number one is, is clean place. But then I like really looking at um, kind of what's going on. Like, what are, what is, what is a series of, of um, how do I put this? There's a, there's kind of an obedience structure that our life provides to us. Oftentimes people say, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, I say, well, I don't think you're really paying attention to what's going on. So he's speaking to you constantly and he's speaking in very human ways. Mm-hmm. And so what do I mean by that? What are some of the very human ways that God speaks to us? Well, the first thing we have to know as Catholics is that we have this universal call to holiness. And so we can, we know, we have an idea of what that looks like. The church reveals to us what that looks like. It's growing in the life of virtue. And so we're all called to that. Every single one of us is called to be set apart. And every single one of us is called in some way to take part in the Great Commission. And so knowing that that is what it means as part of our identity of being Catholic Christians, we can start to look at the decision and say, okay, is this decision inclining me to a life of growth and virtue or one that's actually, I feel it's taking me the other way, all right? Mm-hmm. Or is this something that's creating more opportunities to participate in a, in a way that I'm capable of participating in that great commission? Or is it actually sending me to kind of take my lamp and put a bushel basket over the top of it, right? So those are just kind of like the first conditions. The next ones I really like to bring up are um, your vocation, your big V vocation. So um, certainly we have the married life. Okay, is this decision going to be something that's going to help me to live out the vows of my married vocation better, right? And I think for a lot of homeschooling parents, perhaps even where there might be one that says, yes, homeschooling and one, no, I'm not on board yet. We have to know that ultimately, if we go about this decision and we don't consider what's healthy for the marriage and keeping uh, and living our marriage vows excellently, Mm. we are going to do potentially harm to our marriage, which is the worst thing that we can do for the education of our kids. Mm. Yeah. I, 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 can I pause here sure. real quick? Yep. I, I think one thing, even between Matt and I being married, I know that the Lord wants us to be in unity, right. you know, when we aren't, that's a sign that we both need to walk away and pray <laughs> do our journal probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to understand why, why is this house divided, you know, in, in this case, and, and mm-hmm. you guys were sharing with us earlier that, that, that comes up a lot, you know, like there's one parent who wants to homeschool and one parent who doesn't. And, and to look at that as an opportunity for the Lord to speak into their marriage at that moment, to mm-hmm. pause and say, okay, how can this person be right? And this, and, and maybe I need to just listen to them or, or vice versa, whatever, mm-hmm. but to pause and look at your own thinking. Cause I can't even tell you how many times I'm like, but Lord, I'm right. You know, like we've just walked away from each other and I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, but I'm, so I don't, I know you understand this, but I'm right. Right. <laughs> like I'm the one who knows the fullness of the truth here. Um, but it's really, that's never good fruits will never come from that. So he will speak through your vocation and, and that unity. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just wanted to pause there. I think that's actually ap- applicable to what you guys probably see on a daily basis or talking to people, talking to parents. Yeah, no, this. I love that you brought that up, Aaron, because it's, it's right. Like those points of contention are not there to um, 
we don't need to be afraid of those things because mm-hmm. we know that I love that you bring up that premise and like God wants us to be united. Mm-hmm. John chapter 17, I pray that they may be one as, as I and the father are one. Of course, he would want that for my marriage more than, than anything and for my family. And so, all right, Lord, I know that you will bring this to fulfillment. There's no reason that you wouldn't want this. And so you're allowing this for some reason, perhaps for my growth or for my wife's growth or both of ours, probably mm-hmm. both of ours. Let's get curious about that. And so uh, that, that allows you to kind of fall back a little bit on that Galatians chapter six, bear one another's burdens patiently. Mm-hmm. And, and when we pause and we say, it's not, the goal is not to make the decision about our kids. The goal is to be aligned first and understand one another. Yeah. Let's just kind of like, let's start there. Let's get on the same page. I think because every, everybody wants to be heard in the conversation. And also you add in all those other like dynamics, which is like, you know, somebody like being like, why are you going to homeschool your kids? Like, like your siblings or some, a friend of yours. And like, I don't really understand why you do want to have that foundation with your spouse to say, no, we've decided this together. We are both, you know, the primary catechist, the primary, like this, this is our vocation. Our child is our child. And so we've decided Mm -hmm. this together. So you want that to actually approach those conversations that will probably almost always come up. (laughs) Yeah. So you've got the universal call to holiness. Then you have your vocation, primarily your marriage, right? Getting that right first. And then I like to say, okay, well, what is your state in life right now? Uh, and what I mean by that, it's just like, if we just took a snapshot in your life, what are really the circumstances in which we're operating? What's your job? Is it pra- like, how, are both parents working right now? Mm-hmm. Do you need that income for both parents? Do you have a child with a disability? Uh, do you have, um, maybe, maybe the parent may be ill in some, or have some sort of illness or have some sort of mental illness or healing that they have to work through uh, before this, the conditions can be really good for this. And so those conditions are there when we approach those It's like, okay, the state in life and being, and it's always a call to be excellent in your state in life. That's what the virtues are always bringing us to a state of, they mean excellence, a state of excellence in our given state in life. And we can be obedient to what that uh, standard of excellence is based on our circumstances. Then we can start to say, okay, you know what, if we're going to do this homeschooling thing or not, or say, do the homeschooling, then I, I think it's going to compromise my ability to do my job excellently over here. That might be something um, or, or vice versa. So, or, or I'm going to be super resentful to my husband or something, right? Like, so that would actually compromise the vocational element of this. Well, that starts to kind of get into like, even, you know, your um, desires, mm-hmm. which are subordinate really to state in life. I think state in life or kind of those obligations are Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we have to pay our bills. We got to do these things, whether we like it or not. But desire is an important part of this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if, if the person just does not want to do it, that's an important thing to consider, at least to say, put it on the table as a consideration. And then you can decide whether or not you're going to, okay, I'm not 100% on board with this, but I'm willing to say yes to it. And then we kind of get into, okay, once we make that decision, we just choose either that we're going to have some sort of a reevaluation period, but like that decision is going to be the thing. We're not going to second guess it. We're going to choose ahead of time that we're not going to be resentful or mm-hmm. regretful about our decision. Cause regret is just a thought that you can either choose or not. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, we shouldn't have done that. All right. Well, if you don't want to feel regret, don't, th- don't choose that thought. Like just decide ahead of time that you're in this 
and you're going to learn from it. I always love being able to, if it's not a permanent decision, to just allow it to not be a permanent decision, but give yourself a real mm -hmm. um, time to say like, this is what the good college try looks like with homeschooling. And then we can reevaluate later on. And what's great about homeschooling is it's not a permanent decision. There's like every year is different, right? Like, so it's like, okay, next year we can reevaluate. And so my sister does it every year for all of her kids. Yep. Mm -hmm. Some of her kids are homeschooled. Some of them are going to a, a great Catholic school. It's, it's a new evaluation period every year. Yeah. And every kid's different, right? Mm -hmm. So what would benefit the child the most, I think. Yeah. It goes to your state in life yep. again, the state mm -hmm. of your kid. I think personally, even with, with mindset coaching, like we kind of give you the broad overview structure of like how to discern what to choose. But I always go to the particular and like, what is the particular, like, what are some particular thoughts that are coming up that are creating um, unnecessary tension in your life? Um, Do you have some examples? In making this decision. Well, um, you guys actually gave me some examples and like it, it, people thinking that they're inadequate to do this. Like I, I could see that coming up and that comes up actually a lot in coaching. Um, even people being like, am I even adequate to do this? And so like I've coached a lot of people on that. And so I would take that particular thought and take, take it through what we call the reason cycle. So like we'd see where it would lead. Um, we would see if it's true, we would see even the, um, the tonality behind it. That's a discernment level question. It's kind of like, is this an accusational tone? Like you're, you're inadequate to yeah. teach this. We would define our terms. What mm -hmm. does adequate, if you're inadequate, if you're so sure that you're inadequate, then what does adequate look like? Yes. Like let's define what that term is. Yeah. Because most people don't, they don't, it's kind of a moving target. Like mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. It's something that I just never am. Right. Like, but so they're sure that they're inadequate, but yes. they can't tell you what adequate looks so like. So there is some measurement that they, they are, they know about, but you know, they can never really say like what is adequate or even what is adequate enough to get started. Mm -hmm. And so even just working on that particular sentence in their mind, the first thing we say is thoughts are optional, but people it's the craziest thing. People cling to those thoughts because it's very mm. comfortable and familiar. And so what we want to do is show where this thought is leading them. And, and then that kind of loosens the grip a little bit. So they can choose whether yeah. or not they want to continue it, knowing that the fruits are gone. It seems super interesting that in my mind, when you're talking about this universal in particular, that um, probably your, your biggest enemies in the world would be salesmen. Who are, who are saying this is right for everybody. Here's all the reasons why you should buy this car, buy whatever. It's almost like you're deconstructing that to get back to the original, do I really need this thing? I mean, in a very simplistic way, but um, I, I would think that that's, that's somewhat of what the task is in coaching somebody is to get to the heart of, do you need this car? Why do you think you need this car? Whatever, whatever the decision is, I mean, is, is that, I mean, that sounds sort of like what, what you're kind of describing. I just see it as the exact opposite of sales. Yeah. I mean, what you described there was really like San Ignatius third order discernment. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're really just weighing the options. We're kind of looking mm -hmm. at both sides, you know, if we're buying the car, you know, what are the things that we like? What's our criteria? First, it's like kind of what, what is our criteria for seeing value in this thing that I'm potentially buying. And does this product meet that, mm -hmm. meet that criteria? Here's why Aaron brought up. It's so important, especially with this decision on homeschooling, what are your values mm -hmm. and what are your values in your home and your family life? 
And then what are your options? And which of those options is going to allow you to experience more of the things that you value? Yes. And what, once the values are properly discerned, I think that's another thing too, because a lot of people are like, oh, my values, it's just very subjective. And like, you know, but once your values are held up next to the values that we uphold in our faith and we're like, oh yeah, no, I like that. Actually, that's aligned with truth. And that's aligned with not just my goodness, but everybody's greatest goodness in my family. Cause that is the state in which I am in. Yeah. I like that. You said discerning values yes. because sometimes these things, these things that are value. Yeah. We teach this in our, our workshop, mm -hmm. sometimes values or like kind of core things that are driving decisions in our lives. Sometimes they're not really virtuous. <laughs> sometimes they're vicious. Like one of the things that I realized when I went through my own worksheet was I really value other people's opinions of me. And so that becomes a criteria as to whether or not to go forward is how might somebody think of me? Well, that doesn't sound really <laughs> virtuous, yeah. you know? You're like, oh, I like, think oh that boy. lines up with um, a vice called vanity yeah. a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> just like throwing you under. But um, it's, my, it's my core. Yeah, I, just to answer um, what we were talking about before, though, what was happening, I've, I've been studying cognitive distortions, actually, and these come up all the time in coaching. And this is a CBT term, cognitive behavioral therapy term. Um, but it's interesting to me that there are secular psychologists out there that use this, this type of therapy because every single one of these cognitive distortions are, um, it's like a fallacy. It's like um, um, a logical fallacy. A logical fallacy, mm -hmm. but something that is that is directly opposed to the truth. Yeah, contrary to reality. Right. And so I'm like, so don't you need to know what truth is to know that this is a cognitive distortion? But one of the things they were saying was taking particulars and making them universals. And overgeneralization is one of them where it's like, oh, you take two points of evidence and you're like you make this massive overgeneralization like always it's always I got this confused way. twice helping my kid in homeschooling I'm just a terrible teacher yes yeah. right exactly I'm a terrible teacher right and then you make a label for yourself um and, and it it shows up in black or white thinking there's all these different cognitive distortions so exactly what you were saying Jordan about that is it Yes. Like we need to just also keep asking ourselves so a great question that your listeners might be able to ask themselves is what is also true and what is the more accurate way of depicting this? Mm -hmm. So in that case, with that thought, I'm inadequate or I might be inadequate to be a homeschool teacher. You could also say, what else is true? Well, I also might be adequate in these particular subjects. So that's a more accurate way of saying it. And it probably won't lead you to just shutting the conversation down immediately. Yeah. And it's not just positive thinking too. I mean, someone might hear what Aaron just said. And it's like, oh, so we're just thought swapping. And it's just like, no, these thoughts need to be believable, actually. And they need to be ones that are actually aligned with reality, lest we fall into mental illness, which is when our thoughts are not aligned with reality. Mm -hmm. I really have been enjoying this, especially even kind of go to go back to that marriage and vocationally being together. I mean, whenever when you're talking about we're we're having this tension, as you're saying, you want the unity. So that's actually it's just becoming obvious that's an opportunity then. I mean, so more importantly than this question, this specific question is what's underlying, I think, that's, that's really the division here. What's, what's the cause that, that we need? Because if you're both try, intending what's best for each other, mm. heaven, 
being with our Lord and for your children, clearly the end should be the same. So it's it's either not seeing things the same way, seeing things differently, it seems like, or as you're saying here, well, actually that's that's just fundamentally, or seeing things just incorrectly, you know, as you're as you're just saying. And those thoughts have to be changed because yeah, you have to you have to follow the truth, yeah. right? Or there's some sort of block that's there. I mean, a lot of the time it's people yeah, sometimes people just have an, an association and it's a thought that they take as true, but they never even challenged it. Mm-hmm. And so they're bringing that thought error to the conversation and it's setting a precedent for where, you know, where you're starting the conversation on things. And so if, if say, for example, a husband is coming to this, um, coming to the conversation with homeschool kids are, are weird. You know, and that's like, that's like the thought error that's there, or that's kind of the, what we would say an, an association that is there. And maybe he's got a ton of evidence. Maybe every time like that, the homeschool kids showed up to the, to the athletic fields, they were just really quirky or, or they, everybody thought that they were weird, like whatever. And based on his soda straw, you know, perspective of reality. So, so that's one of those things at first, it's just like, rather than just taking the bait and being like, homeschool kids aren't weird. Like to say, that's so interesting that you think that. I really want to understand why you think that's true. Tell me, like, what is, tell me why you think that. And it starts to open the person. Now we're not going into this back and forth, but we're starting, we're seeking understanding here because the goal is, is like, we know that that's, we know that that's not true. Right. Mm -hmm. And the goal, but, but, and there's plenty of kids that aren't homeschooled that are very weird too whatever like <laughs> yeah. let's just yes but could the opposite be true but that's yes. kind of like even that's some of the things that you might bring to the conversation it's a different dialogue that you get into at that point when you're seeking understanding and connection mm-hmm. it goes back to that even that docility that we were talking about earlier the willingness to consider that there is some information that might be missing <laughs> there's more yes. information to yeah. take in yeah um i think it would be great i know you have a lot of overlap in your areas of knowledge regarding the Strengths Finder and the St. Catherine of Siena Institute. I'd love to get you guys kind of talking about that a bit. Maybe with the time we have left, could we consider some of the other factors that would influence some of this decision-making, such as our own temperaments, which you guys have a podcast series going about that. I'm very mm-hmm. excited because I'm, I am very keenly interested in the temperaments, consider myself phlegmatic mostly. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm excited about hearing those as they come out. And also our various strengths and spiritual gifts, Stephen has talked to us before about the St. Catherine of Siena Institute. So could oh, we Stephen, consider we some of these? Uh, yeah. yeah, you guys are. I got so to excited to see your information. It's like, oh, they yes. love the, th- the same things I love. They know it. Yes. yes. So I'll get out of the way and I'd love to friends? hear you talk more about factors. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. So what Matt was was breaking down before, kind of that element of like all, we're all called to holiness, the state in life, this um, the vocation state the next level of what we were going to be talking about was, well, we talked about season, but we have a podcast about that, Mm -hmm. but then kind of your desires, your gifts, your strengths, um, and your, your spiritual gifts, like the areas in which the Lord has worked through you the best, Mm -hmm. right. Where like the ones with the least amount of obstacles to grace that he just flows through you. Dunamis is is the the word the, the Greek, Greek word yeah. for power From kind of and Matthew it's, twenty uh, Matthew twenty five fifteen to some he gave five to some he gave two to another he gave one each in accord with his ability his dunamin his dunamis 
which is that power that is proper to somebody's nature. And so we have these natural abilities, which that's where I see my strength connections to scripture. It's like there's these God-given natural abilities that already incline us to, uh, to excellence in certain areas and not in other areas, which is great because then we get to lean on the body of Christ yes. to really uh, be complete. And, you know, we talk about grace being the change agent, but like grace builds upon nature. And so you need to kind of have that ordered nature at first, or at least know naturally, what am I good at? What are these gifts that God has given mm-hmm. to me? These natural gifts, strengths, or, uh, you know, that, that God has given to me, chances are those are going to be the areas of grace that he's going to work in me in my own merit, but also through me to, you know, everybody else out mm-hmm. there. So, yeah. And make things make your, and when we say like, grace builds upon nature and grace actually elevates our, our nature, our elevates like the fruits of that we produce to have a supernatural quality to that. We call that meritorious. That's, that's what it is. I mean, this is building up treasures in heaven that we actually get to take with us into the next life, which is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and where do charisms fit into that? I, I think we're starting, honestly, we read a, a book, the charismatic graces from father Chad Ripperger. That's kind of really blown up for us. I don't want to say blown up. That may be extreme, but it's starting to it's a cognitive distortion. <laughs> it's starting, extreme. it's getting us thinking a little bit more about our Catholic theology of grace mm-hmm. uh, versus uh, Protestant theology of grace. And uh, he makes some distinctions in there between the charismatic gifts as something that where there is no merit associated with them. Uh, because it is completely God's grace showing up. And it's something that in the early church was very prevalent, but not so much right now versus these, um, our natural dunamin, these abilities where when we live these things out in a meritorious way, in a virtuous way, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of where we're, we're it's, it's very similar to the way that we understand perhaps Sherry Waddell charisms. And I got to look into this because I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a little I'm, bit more, but there seems to be a, a strong connection between that and strengths there right will, now. There mm-hmm. will Absolutely. Pro- yes. Okay. I'd love to get your stake, take on yes, that too, please. Steve. Yeah, I'm actually, a, I've gone through the gift interview training through the St. Catherine of Siena Institute. Love nice. that. Awesome. I also do something just, just to, I guess you know my background a little bit. I, it, I was a business director, executive director, and so kind of leadership was where, where I was always trying to develop people. So really strong feelings of... First, for me personally, God's providence. So God has created everybody for a purpose, a vocation, a specific purpose. And it's it's more particular than that. You know, when, when your dishwasher breaks, I don't know why I use this example every time, but the dishwasher breaks when you're heading out the door and you think, oh, this is just going to ruin my day sort of thing. It's like, no, no, no. God allowed that to happen right now. He could have made it not break. He could He could do that. He's all powerful. He's in control. So we go through that and then kind of look at um, so then you have to pay attention, as you were saying, with to ability. So what am I good at? What do I enjoy? What do I love? Because God's drawing you toward your vocation with those desires, with those gifts to do what you should do well or what you could do well. Um, so, yeah, I do. Um, that drew me to, towards a Highland ability, ability battery test at one point where I administer that, which you look at it's time test to determine natural abilities. So use that to see where are my abilities? That doesn't mean skills yet, but, but yeah, then to start looking at where, 
when as you're as you're entering into your relationship with God, as you're as you want that personal relationship, as you're developing into that intentional discipleship, as Sherry Waddell will talk about, that's when you start to see these fruits start to come about as you're I've seen people as they open themselves up to being part to participating in, in God's will with the Holy Spirit interacting through them. Mm-hmm. And then you just start to see these experiences which you can't explain, you know, where you can tell the presence that the presence is there of the Holy Spirit. There's a joy. There are effects that go beyond what you can really explain, you know, which, which are more than reason. They're not reasonable. They're unreasonable in the, the productivity. But then to see that each person has specific gifts, again, as Sherry would say, to give to others. So grace is meant to be given to others. And that even helps you then as you're discerning those. There's there's no magical test for these. It's it's a discernment process. But mm-hmm. it does start to tell you where what what God has planned for you and what way he wants you to act. Because as I was discerning at one point, it's like, I really want leadership. I really want to have that charism of leadership where you just bring people together and everybody's running off. But so, you know, the process then actually kind of becomes, well, I'm going to try to lead. I'm going to try to move people toward this good thing for the church. And for me, it'd be like, yes, I'm, we're going over here. And I'd look behind and there's nobody there. There, So that was not one of the charisms, at least not at this point in my life that, that, and so that helps me. It helps mm-hmm. me to know I don't need to be in front necessarily, at least yeah. not at this time. That's mm-hmm. not what God wants me to do. So, I mean, that wasn't the only, you had to try it over and over again, because sometimes we can get in our own selfishness, um, our own, we want we want the charisms to be for us, or maybe God just doesn't want, need yeah. you to act in that way. But, but through continued discernment, you can start to push things away. And sometimes that's more valuable than actually knowing the specific discerning yeah. positively something. So, yeah. Yeah. So lots of interest in all of those things. I would always start with, you know, when I get these young people in right out of college and I, so I was trying to mentor them, you know, and so I would start out with free will. So Victor Frankl, basically mm-hmm. you can, you can, you can't choose what's going to happen to you, but you can choose your reaction. Mm-hmm. And then to see that there's a natural law that, um, you can choose what you're going to do, but you can't necessarily choose the consequences. I mean, mm. so the consequences go along with your choice. It would be kind of mm-hmm. the next place that I would go. But then it's kind of self-mastery and self-integrity so mm-hmm. that you're true to yourself, you're honest to yourself, and you form the habits, the discipline to do to do what you need to do. And then you start thinking about you start with a long goal. Well, anyway, you could go through all of those things, but then it's, yeah, then it's doing the finding your abilities, finding your interests and going through and trying to put people, give them opportunities to explore those areas and see if they align. But Yeah. Steve, you'll be excited. Yeah. In the, in the Academy, we're actually starting next month. We're going to be uh, rolling out uh, once a week. We're going to go through every single one of the signature themes and it's about living them virtuously. So we get named, Claim, uh, we get name it, claim it, aim it through Gallup, but uh, we like name it, claim it, tame it, aim it. And because uh, we know that when we don't live these things virtuously, they show up as, as really a contrary uh, yeah. to strengths. Yeah. So, Aaron, An overuse pattern. Yeah. 
But to bring it back to the homeschooling piece, right? I, I, I think the Lord is creative. So if he is calling you to do this and, and you're aligned, you're aligned with your spouse, if he's calling you like to be a homeschool parent, there is an element of being like, of just allowing him to equip you and to not get in your head around it. I mean, like, I just, I just don't have the charism of teaching. I never have, you know what I mean? Like, well, who knows? Maybe you were just never in that opportunity. Like Mm -hmm. as Steve was saying, he was saying how, you know, it kind of depends on what, what position you're in. I've taken that um, charism test a couple of times there was one when I was working for the church and I scored high in hospitality because I was always throwing events, you know, at the church, but like, I don't, I'm not high in it anymore. And because, so it was, it was the position or the state or particular season that I was in, in my life, mm-hmm. um, that uh, could allow that power, that God's power to work through you. And I think there's just this element of, um, Bonnie, you've been saying this whole time, like this docility, this yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because like in the very beginning, even in my own coaching, now we teach and I never considered myself a good teacher. She's very good now. But it's because I love what I teach. And so there's there's also that element that plays in. But I could have used that as an excuse to say, well, you know, I, I never scored high in teaching and I don't really have the strengths that like say that it's a good teacher and I'm a sanguine. So that means I'm like really you know, disorganized and I like could never write, you know, a a class curriculum. We get in our heads about these things. It's like so simple, but like, if the Lord is calling you to do it, to go, okay, yes, Lord. And then just see how creatively he works through that. Cause the way Mm -hmm. I teach very different from how he teaches Mm -hmm. and very different from how Susie over here. And, you know, it just shows up in such a different way. Yeah. Um, but if he's calling you to do it, he, to qualify the called, right? And calling you to do it also. Mm-hmm. This is another thing that I think is super practical, but very helpful for parents that are discerning homeschooling is, is to really create an image of what that looks like. What it is. What it is. <laughs> yeah. Because some people, if there's, a, if there's different images, that means there's different goals, which means that spouses are going to go in different directions. And they're going to be like, what are you doing? Why'd you go in this way? And it's just like, well, I, I am, we're, I'm on the same page as you. It's like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And, and so yeah. that oftentimes just getting on a shared uh, map, so to speak of this is what the goal looks like really allows it's super practical, very easy to do, but you have to, mm-hmm. you have to put in like, get down to the, how much time are we going to be spending this? What is the space in the home that we are going to be using for this? What are the investments that we are going to have to make to make this space suitable? Um, when are, what are the conditions where we are going to uh, take a day off? Or who is going to be doing the administrative thing that's going to be able to report to you know, this school board that we've accomplished these goals so our kid can get this? Like All of those things need to be really, those practical things need to be laid out or else you don't know what you're saying yes to. And so you can't give your full yes. So it this, helps that, that yes. understanding, achieve understanding. I'm laughing because this is like Matt, Matt's strengths and his temperament's showing up right now. And it's so different from mine. Like, I'm like, I didn't think of any of those. I'm like, I'm just excited <laughs> <laughs> to homeschool, you know? But um, I think also another element here though is allowing 
the way you homeschool or the way you school your children to look different from others. Mm, love that. According to your abilities, according to your strengths. So it's like, I am not good at math. I'm going to get a tutor. I'm going to, I don't know, send, send my child off to this other person who's way better. Uh, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend and like, think I'm good at math. Like try to think those thoughts. I probably will never be good at it and nor do I care about it. So like <laughs> to, to be okay with that and say, and I know this person loves to teach math. Yeah. So I give them this gift by like actually, or I'm not high discipline. Yeah. And so like, I'm not going to hold myself to like creating a spreadsheet of what we're going to be doing every single day, but I'm going to have some goals that are going to be like, we're going to hit these widgets and we're going to do it by such and such a time. And I'm going to allow my day to be a little bit more fluid. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's kind of, maybe that op that's how the person operates and gets it done. If you look at the way that Aaron and I structure our weeks completely different, but we still like, I just don't structure <laughs> my week. So it is very different. Not true. <laughs> Overgeneralization. <laughs> All of those concerns are again, working together with the, with the parents and then you get figuring things out. Now it's always nice. Like at a place like Colby, you can call up our advisors or our admissions and they can, give you at least some parameters if you're just completely just don't know the answers mm -hmm. to any of those things they give you some help but so a lot of it is just like like you're saying giving yourself some time to experiment because you know as a father i remember at one point it's like oh well i can help my children out with math or science and then it was you know after a 10 10 hour work day coming home and realizing there's no way i'm going to consistently do math or science with this child so i could I could decide I would and then spend less time at work and do things, but that wasn't an option at the time. So it was just, no, I'm not reliable. I will have to tell you, my wife, uh, you can't rely on me for this. So we have to get mm. help outside of that for, for this, at least at this time. So, um, yeah, it's feeling out some of those things as well. I mean, you can go in with a plan. Like we're going to have a school room and we're going to do all of this and we're going to get the whiteboard. And then it turns out your kids like to go hide in a corner and, and do their math lesson where it's nice and quiet and there aren't any distractions. Yeah. So you just yeah, don't know. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Oops, I gave myself away here. But... <laughs> I love how you phrase the, uh, how creative God is, of course, and how he will show up in response when you say yes, how he is going to show up to that. It, it will likely not be the way we expect, or it might not be, just to leave the room, leave the space that it won't be what we're looking for. For example, the ways that Colby can assist families with however, whatever they need in the form of, you can do all the homeschool at home yourself using our mm -hmm. course plans. You can enroll them full-time in our online academy. You could do that. You could do a mix of that. There are all the different ways that, that Colby can work together with families to, you know, to meet those areas where, parents feel uh, more confident in some areas than others and in all the ways. Yes. So that's an example of that creativity. Of, this is so cool. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. you guys are doing. It's so cool. Like just when you were just explaining it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so many people I need to tell <laughs> about this too. Yeah. One thing, one thing that is, Steve, you said um, about an experiment. I love using that language, especially when you are about ready to make a decision that might be a little scary. And that's another thing. I think a lot of people think once they make a decision that they won't be afraid, mm -hmm. but I'm always like, fear usually comes along for the ride. It's just not in the driver's seat anymore. You know, it's just like in the backseat, it's like backseat driver. Like you're like, I know, I know, <laughs> but, um, some language that helps me is this is an experiment. 
let's look at this as like an adventure or like, let's just kind of see it. It's not permanent. So we can kind of play around with it. We can see what areas, you know, maybe I'm really good at teaching or, um, some areas that my kid needs some space or they need some one-on-one time, you know? So yeah, I, I think can it's always just, reevaluate. Later. Yes. Mm-hmm. Using that language though, that flexibility language, I- even in your thoughts, which it's true. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. That's one of the reasons why it's helpful. It's true. Mm-hmm. So, and it gives you, it, it just, it leans you towards freedom. It just reframes the whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Keeps you in a place of freedom. Mm-hmm. If your only other option is failure. So either we've decided and now we do this forever, otherwise we're a failure. That, yes. that as well then you know, creates that um, you've become a slave then to this choice that you've made in the past rather than choosing it again in you know in that moment, in the time when you're moving forward. Yeah. And it's all really failure good. is by definition is like the omission of the of the work required to accomplish a goal. That's it. It's like the omission of the work. Like- That's it. So the only way it really fails to stop, you know, by definition. We call that so failing ahead of time by saying I'm going to be a failure because they just usually stop at that point. <laughs> yeah. And then just celebrate the little gains also. Like you always mm-hmm. get to, we, we have a podcast called Baptizing the Gap and the Gain. That's always just like, okay, as you're going through this trial, like we, we just sit around the dinner table at night, even with our four-year-old and say, hey, what was a win from today? And it's always like looking back and measuring what, what's something that was, that was great. I invite everybody to do that. It's such a beautiful yeah. kind of fun thing to do as a family is it's like, cause you get, you get an idea, like what your kid values too, or what the, what your spouse values, you know, how often do we have those conversations, but mm-hmm. you know, um, another thought. Great. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Good one. Lots, lots of great food for thought here today. Sure. Do you appreciate everything you've offered to us today? You guys offer lots of resources we will include uh, your website, Metanoia Catholic, in our show notes and a link to your, your your podcast is linked on that website as well, I know, and it's in the podcast apps and everything. We'll also include some relevant Colby Cast episodes that we've aired before that, that tie into this conversation. Matt and Aaron, thank you so much for this time together and all you've offered us today. Thank you, you so much. We love what you guys are doing. And I just, I love the innovation behind it and cr- being creative and helping these kids get good solid education i love Mm -hmm. it yeah thank you thank you subscribe to the colby cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or review and as always feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org marry our mother pray for us saint maximilian colby pray for us ad maiorem dei gloriam 